With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's right in motion. Play nice, Reverse to the win is good and the Boilers lead it 24-22 with just three seconds remaining. That's Bell in motion. So the speed oh, double move. Double got move. It. Hopkins he's got it. He will take it in for the score. Touchdown Boilermakers. O'Connell in the direction of Bell. Adjusts and he makes the catch. Purdue a two-point conversion from tying this game. O'Connell wants Hopkins, it's off his hands, and it's caught wow. by Anthrop! Ramsey, QB keeper, gets the push, and Indiana has won the O'Rogan bucket! Welcome, welcome to the Hammer and Ales Somber Morose Football Podcast as the 2019 Purdue football season has ended. We are here to do the post-mortem tonight. Uh... It did not go as we expected. Purdue stumbles to a four and eight with uh, every every injury possible and just a disappointing end. Indiana taking back the old oaken bucket in the rain. Life sucks. Sports is canceled. That's all sports. And of course, with me tonight, we have a fabulous crew. We have a four man booth tonight, and leading off things is Juan over in Pasadena. How are you doing, Juan? Well, unlike Purdue, I will be going to the Rose Bowl in January. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you'll get Wisconsin against well, somebody. Probably Oregon uh, or Utah. <laughs> Coming to us from the Little Apple in the middle of the country, Manhattan, Kansas, we have Drew Schneider. How are you doing, Drew? We have Drew not there at all, apparently. <laughs> he just disappeared. Hey, 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 I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yes. <laughs> I'm glad that we have a tightly run ship here. <laughs> Finally, we have from God's country himself, where it's been raining and permit clouding all day, Kyle Holderfield. How are you doing, Kyle? Uh, very good. I feel like it's been raining the last five days here in God's country. Uh, it's pretty miserable and cold, too. <laughs> well, I know you were there with me in ross Stadium yesterday, and uh, we're just going to kind of do a postmortem on the season, and obviously the biggest story is all the injuries and uh how much of a factor it was but you still had purdue lose its season opener at nevada on the final play of the game and you had purdue lose the season closer against indiana at home on the final play of the game and that now makes five games in the last two years where purdue has lost literally on the final snap of the game so i guess uh where do we begin from here I guess we finished the season where we started that, right? A little bit of a, a letdown to start the season when we got beat by Nevada late, like you said, the final play of the game. And then at IU, it took us, I don't know, three and a half quarters to um, get rolling in the bucket game. And then Aiden O'Connell started lighting it up a little bit. And as receivers started making plays, and Xander Horvath started to look like a, 
like an all Big Ten running back running all over everybody. But, uh, uh, you know, just overall disappointing season, I guess, with, like you said, the, the injuries. I counted 18 scholarship guys down yesterday. So just overall disappointing, I guess. You know, you mentioned the 18 scholarship guys, and that that is a not insignificant number, especially when you had a large number of those scholarship guys also didn't play because they held on to their red shirt, too. Um, I'm working on a post right now to see, you know, who held on to their red shirt and who did not. You had another 20 players that, or wait, no, that was not 20. I'm, I'm looking at the wrong year. Uh, but you had another 18 players that held on to their red shirt. Uh, a couple of those are counted in the 18 that were out, like Marvin Grant and TJ Sheffield. That is a significant part of your roster that was missing. And especially when you play most of the season without your two best offensive and your two best defensive players, it makes it difficult for a te- for any team, uh, let alone a team like Purdue, where even after a couple of years of improved recruit recruiting and such the talent gap is still significant and there's just not a lot of depth at a lot of positions yeah that's that's the uphill battle we're going to be fighting here especially this year obviously and it'll still be a battle next year's coach brahm is rebuilding the entire roster so he's rebuilding that depth and um here you know two or three years you're going to see you know somebody goes goes down and you know next guy steps up and it won't be a huge drop off but right now you go um, from Elijah Sandalar, who was leading the, the country in passing yards when he got hurt, to Jack Plummer, who threw under 60% completion percentage. He's a redshirt freshman. And then you go from Jack Plummer to a uh, sophomore walk-on. That his only real offer was from Division Three Wheaton, uh, just looking at the quarterback spot. And I thought Aiden O'Connell did a heck of a job. But like you said, we're just got to rebuild that that depth, and hopefully here next year, the year after, the the talent drop off uh, isn't so significant when there are injuries because it's football and there's going to be injuries regardless. It's just how the next man up uh, reacts, I guess, and plays. Yeah, and I think uh, I think we're seeing a, a real sort of deficit in that for those first two Brom recruiting classes where you got a couple of. You know, star player. You got Rondale, obviously, in one of those classes, and so, some other guys. But those two are the classes that we really should be relying on for depth uh, right now. And we're really this year we were relying on last year's class for for depth with all the freshmen playing. I, I think we had some pretty big recruiting misses in that in that first year. I was a little concerned about that first couple of years. Um, that we're trying to sort of paper over now with a lot of playing by having to play a lot of freshmen. Uh, so that's part of the problem with not being able to recover from injuries is those first two classes had a lot of misses on both sides of the ball. 12 scholarship seniors for next season. And that comes with the caveat of three of those would be Elijah Sindelar, Alex Criddle, and Lorenzo Neal, where we're not entirely sure if they will return at all. So you could have as few as nine, and then you go to scholarship juniors. Uh, so the guys that would be part of that first recruiting class under Brom, kind of that transition class uh, after Brom was or after Hazel was fired, and when Brom was hired, there are currently only ten members of that class on the roster. 
And of those 10, to my knowledge, two have not even played a snap yet. And a third was uh, Xander Horvath, who was originally a walk-on. So uh, most of those guys are offensive and defensive linesmen that are kind of in limbo on the depth chart, like Giovanni Revere, Victor Beast, Deshaun Washington, Mark Stickford. But you're still looking at the vast majority of this team next year is going to be underclassmen. Uh, You could have as many as 65 players with soft uh, as sophomores, redshirt freshmen or true freshmen in terms of eligibility, which is still going to be an astounding number really. Yeah, like I said, they would definitely. Uh, when when we were signing all of these players, uh, when Brahms first and second year, I was I was a little concerned. I felt like we we really missed an opportunity to sort of spread that out, fewer four years, sort of squint, and maybe this guy gets to where we want to be. And I, I always felt like we probably could have peppered in a few more JUCOs and a few more guys, uh, grad transfers, guys that were only sort of one or one and two year commitments instead of, uh, you know, getting in with some guys that uh, maybe just weren't quite as talent talented enough and that were honestly just recruited over almost immediately. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's a lot of wasted practice time that's a lot of wasted development where we've spent a lot of time working on guys that either were never going to play or just left after a year or two because they got straight you know recruited over once Purdue started picking it up a little bit uh with last year you mentioned it being recruited over uh there's a couple of guys like uh Jordan Bonner and Corey Taylor who are receivers that this was an excellent chance for them to see the field this year with all the injuries that we had. Cause I think there was one game where we went to Penn state with six receivers and that included all the walk-ons, uh, but they still never got a chance to see the field. And it definitely doesn't look promising when we have a wealth of other receivers coming in, you know, you have an elite car, you have, uh, you have Milton Wright had a pretty solid season and is going to be, a solid contributor going forward and everything else. So it will just be, it'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out, especially when I still have us as four scholarships over the limit before we have any new commitments. And obviously Purdue is still recruiting hard and trying to get some Juco guys, trying to get some grad transfers. There's got to be a give in there somewhere. Let's another sort of, Eight to ten players leaving the program uh, after the year. I can I couldn't tell you who they are. I don't know. I don't know, but that's yeah. that's sort of par for the course. And just sort of looking over, you know, who's playing, what, what kind of got, what guys have, you know, players of a, a younger players playing above them. I, I think you'll probably see eight to ten, and uh, at least uh, I, I almost expect this to be a fairly uh, big roster turnover again. Uh, this season. Well, what do you have to add, Juan? You've been the one that's been quiet here as our sound engineer and resident doctor, so I expect you to diagnose the problem here. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> I just correct people. I don't fix them. That's the kind of doctor I am. Um, but no, I, I really don't have too much to add other than what Kyle and Drew have said, but even before the injuries, I think there were probably some signs there that, you know, this there was still a lot of missing pieces in this team. You know, we had 
I think we were talking about before this season started that we didn't even have much depth when it came to the offensive and defensive line as well. And sure enough, that showed very quickly uh, throughout the year. I mean, hell, we got pushed around by Wisconsin's offensive line, which allowed Taylor to just run for, uh, I think, conservatively about like 700 yards and uh, five touchdowns, I think. So, yeah, it's going to have to be starting to fill in some of those gaps and providing some depth. And who knows, there might have to be some coaching changes as well within Brom's staff. I'm not on the uh, Fair Holt bandwagon yet, but it is deeply concerning that the third and long issues are back and how his defenses have actually gotten a little bit worse every season. And I, I just... I'm still very much bothered by that Nevada game. Yeah, they finished seven and five this year. Yes, it was a road game, but you blew a 17 point fourth quarter lead when we were healthy. And that, I was afraid that that was going to cost us a bowl game <laughs> as it was, especially after all the injuries. And it kind of did. It just, it wasn't a good sign. And that's, that's one of my biggest problems that I have with Brahms so far is we're through three seasons and he has an overall record of 17 and 21, which we've gotten worse each year, seven and six to six and seven to four and eight. Uh, but it's, it's very troubling that we're still struggling to beat a team like Nevada. We're struggling to beat an Eastern Michigan. We're struggling to beat Rutgers and our schedule to start next season certainly does not do us any favors you have to go to nebraska which har 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 scott frost is you know sucks it's still nebraska it's not going to be easy to win there and then those first two home games against memphis and air force look just ridiculous right now when they finish this year so far i combined 21 and three um that's about two of the toughest group of five teams that you can play and uh, who who would have thought that a trip to Boston College might be our easiest game in the first four? Yeah, that's, whatever. Whoever set the schedule up, uh, I'm assuming this was, you know, Burke and uh, Hazel were delusional. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's hard to predict Memphis being where they are right now uh, from when we signed it, or uh, Air Force. But Air Force is always pretty consistently good. Boston College is. You know, they just fired their head coach today, so that'll be a transition. Uh, but there's some winnable games uh, to start the season, but it would be nice to actually. But then again, we're better against playing. We're better playing against better teams anyway. It looks like whenever we have the schedule, the, the uh, Patsy, we lose. So maybe, maybe we'll have our, their, our full attention instead of choking away, you know, Nevada or Eastern Michigan or whoever we're playing. Uh, we, we, it was Brom and, oh, who the hell is it? Bobinski. Yeah, it tells you how well I'm doing. Brom and Bobinski actually signed both Air Force and Memphis. They did it in 2017, and uh, Air Force is actually jumping in and was replacing. We were supposed to play Notre Dame next year, and that game got moved. Yeah, Brom treats uh, the football schedule the same way I treated my classes in college. Ironically, the easier the class was, the harder it was for me to get an A because I just ended up slacking off and not caring. <laughs> so it, it, it's interesting so this is we're starting to see a little bit more of the of brahm's desired scheduling and everything and i know he would rather play the power five teams uh than the group of five teams so 
it, it, it'll be interesting to see how well that works out because uh, obviously Memphis, I believe they have quite a few seniors playing, but they have been really damn good this year. And you also have Air Force, which is just triple option fun, and that can just mess with you. The good thing about Memphis is they'll probably have a new head coach. I think Mike Norvell's high on uh, everybody's wish list that has an opening right now. So I think he'll that'll be a, a transition for for Memphis. So we're not. I don't think we'll be getting the Mike Norvell uh, fifty point a game Memphis team uh, that you know they currently got rolling right now. I hope not, because that's going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, Norvell probably gets a you know power five job wherever that's going to be at. Florida oh, State will probably yes. give him a call. Miss, I would guess, will give him a call. Um, that, but that Air Force game, that's uh, that'll be tough. Triple options hard to defend, especially when you never ever see it, and then you have to try to imitate that with your scout team and most of those kids probably didn't run that offense at any point in their lives uh that'll be that'll be tough air forces they do like a variation of the triple they do it out of pistol they do some stuff out of gun but they also do it under center still Uh, so that'll be tough and then like drew said boston college will be transitioning so that will help out but um hopefully norvell takes a power five job somewhere and helps us out a little bit so I think that's enough grousing on what has gone wrong this year. Uh, there's definitely some bright spots to look at, though, and one of them is obviously David Bell. Uh, he finishes the season with a thousand yard, more than a thousand yards receiving. He officially reached one thousand thirty-five yards, and that is the twelfth best receiving his uh, receiving yards history in Purdue history one of only 14,000-yard receiving seasons that we have had from a player. Uh, he also finished the year uh, leading the Big Ten with 86 receptions, which is really, really impressive. And that put him tied for eighth with Taylor Stubblefield's 2003 season on the uh, season mark. And just the very idea of having him next year with a healthy Rondale Moore, holy crap. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Rondale Moore, so last night at 1 a.m. Eastern time, news broke that Greg Schiano was going to accept the Rutgers job. And uh, <laughs> Jason Kirk tweeted this out saying, hey, in 2020, Greg Schiano has to face Rondale Moore in West Lafayette again, this time with Rutgers players instead of Ohio State players. <laughs> so, of course, I had to tweet that out to the h H&R account and say, you know what? Now I'm finally looking forward to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. I know everybody is excited about seeing Rondale and Bell at the same time. And obviously I am too. But it'll be interesting to see how that sort of uh, dynamic works. Because uh, both of them as freshmen were basically, you know, the uh, number one target uh, picking up absurd amounts of catches. And they both can't catch 80 90 balls next year so it'll be interesting to see how brahm sort of navigates that uh to where they're getting fewer receptions but being more productive uh with each reception 
And I, I think another interesting, probably one of the biggest losses that we will have is Bryson Hopkins because, my God, he played so well down these last few games. He almost had a 1,000-yard season in his own right. He finished with 830 yards, seven touchdowns, 61 receptions, uh, has a decent chance of winning the Mackey Award, which would go to the nation's best tight end. I don't know if he'll get it because Purdue struggled to and only won four games, but Man, he is going to be a guy that uh, we're just going to miss. Uh, here is a tight end. He finished with in the top 20 in career touchdowns and career yards and career receptions, which that is just – that's phenomenal. And he's a guy that's going to play on Sundays too. He's really good. He, I mean, he turned it on this year, and we saw flashes in the past couple of seasons also, but he definitely will play on, on Sundays. I think you're right. I think CBS Sports actually has him ranked as the number one tight end in the draft or something like that, which is like 52nd overall this year. There's no, like, outstanding, you know, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson guys, I guess, like last year where they were both picked in the first round. So I think you'll definitely see him play on Sundays, though. We had the Purdue player drafted streak in last year. It'll pick up again this year, at least. Yeah, if he can get just drafted by the Saints, you know, he could be like a discount Jimmy Graham for them again. Him and Breeze, that'd be a great combination. Well, unless Breeze wins the Super Bowl and retires. That's true. Or Breeze comes back to try to win a third Super Bowl. Oh, I I can get on board with that. So what are some of the more unsung guys that you're looking at uh, going into next year? Obviously, we've got more... Hopefully a healthy more coming back because I know that they've said it might have been a torn hamstring all along. Uh, we got Bell. We've got uh, some form of quarterback that maybe they'll just put Sindelar, O'Connell, and Plummer together all in one and have one indestructible quarterback. Uh, but, you know, just so maybe mention some guys, too, that would be contributors coming out of redshirt uh, that have been there and the year of redshirting will help them the most. I've got a couple. Uh, I think uh, since we were talking about Hopkins, I think, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, but Bill, Bill Dow, the, the guy, the, the tight end from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, was a freshman uh, this year. He was a, he had a, came in with a really big rec- reputation and he just sort of uh, sat behind Hopkins, obviously, because if Hopkins was healthy, Hopkins was going to be playing. Um, so I, I think, well, we'll obviously miss Bryson Hopkins. I think that's one spot where I do like the depth because uh, I think he's going to be uh, an excellent player for us. Um, and some other guys, you know, Sheffield playing in the slot. Oh, now my brain's not working. The other four-star receiver we got out of Ohio uh, will be coming off his red shirt. Rice. Yeah, Rice. Rice. <laughs> who is an interesting, really an interesting player coming out of high school because he had all the athleticism, but he didn't particularly have the uh, production. Uh, and he played both wide receiver and safety. And I, I, I kind of thought he was a better safety prospect than a wide receiver prospect because he was really raw as a receiver. I think he just came in, was injured this year, and never really sort of took off. But um, he's one of the guys that... I'll be interested to see what Purdue does with him. If they keep him at wide receiver, if they move him over to the defense, because Lord knows we need uh, big, fast uh, guys on the other side of the ball as well. Um, And then the the, uh, four-star defensive tackle that we didn't see this year. (laughs) We need him to be good. Uh, Yeah. 
they all have difficult names, but we, we need him to be good because uh, we really haven't had any success at recruiting defensive tackles uh, under Hazel and I'm um, sorry, under Prom and Holt. We're looking at uh, none really that I could think of. Johnson is the only other is the only one that's played. Uh, otherwise, we're playing a bunch of defensive ends at defensive tackle and getting destroyed. Uh, you know, so uh, for show being good would be very helpful. <laughs> for show, sure. uh, but um, to see that Bard and Carlaftis both finished with seven and a half sacks, and that was. Them combining for 15 sacks is really good, at least by recent standards. But like you said, uh, the the middle of the defensive line was um, cavernous, if you will, if uh, <laughs> you'll say. And uh, anybody could run with ease up the middle, and that's that's just unfortunate. I I agree with Drew on the Stephen Fischau kid. I think he needs to. Um, at least be there for depth. I think there's a chance that Lorenzo Neal might come back, and there's I think Anthony Watts is coming back, and I heard that Criddle got moved back to interior defensive line too. So getting some big guys there in the middle would help. Um, I think I think my favorite guy who's going to come out of a red shirt, I guess, well, he ended up getting shoulder surgery early in the season. is Marvin Grant to play back at safety. I think you can pencil him in as a starter um, back at safety for Nick. Really talented. He's like 6'2", 210. Um, we'll be able to fly around all over the field and kind of be that ball hawk we need back there. Much different than having Devon Mosley back there. Uh, and then I think the – what was the other guy I agree with? Mershon Rice. I think Mershon Rice could be a rotational guy. Um, and – Kyle Jornigan uh, help us out that maybe some interior offensive line where we we uh, lose a couple guys are pretty weak at all. At also, so uh, any, any of the true freshmen uh, that you expect to come in? I know this year there were just there were a ton that played. I counted uh, seven true freshmen were burnt, burnt their red shirt. Uh, a couple of those we knew were going to happen. Like Arlofis, we knew he was going to start from day one. Cormier, the punter, was going to play, uh, but a couple of others uh, might have benefited from more of a redshirt have, had guys been healthy, like King Daru. Maybe he redshirts if you have a fully healthy worship and fully healthy Fuller, and uh, you know, maybe a Jalen Graham doesn't play as much. So uh, any other guys that you expect to come in and play immediately as true freshmen? Because you guys know the recruiting better than I do. I think the Tyreek Murphy kid, I think he's from Staten Island, the big old running back. He's like 6'1", 215. I don't think a four-star running back's coming to Purdue to, to ride the pine. I think that uh, he's been told that he can come in and compete and play right away as a freshman. I think Malik Carr uh, will get get some run out at outside receiver and then play in some of that. You know, you kind of know how we split Hopkins out in the slot sometimes. That could be a, a role Carr could could play to 6'5", 235 pound receiver. Most schools are recruiting him as a tight end, but he wanted to be a receiver. So I think we'll move him in and out. Um, Gus Hartwig, center guard coming up from Zionsville. He's an Army All-American um, kid this year, maybe, if, if he needs to come in and play. Defensively, I don't think there was any any huge uh, big-time recruits. The one that could have came in was David Blau's brother-in-law but he just decommitted and went to 
um, Colorado. So I guess those are a couple of mine. I think somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, he's not super highly re- uh, ranked uh, because he's tiny, uh, but I think Marcellus Moore is going to be exciting to watch. I think Brown's going to do some really cool stuff with him. Uh, he's a kid that I'm not even sure. Uh, redshirting makes a lot of sense because he's always is going to be the small, fast guy. Like he's not going to get. B- much bigger than he is he's a tiny little dude he's like five seven like 150 155 but uh i think they're gonna do some really cool stuff with him coming out of uh, illinois uh and he's he's fast uh and so i'll i'll be looking for him on some uh trick plays and some reverses and some fly jet sweeps and uh, stuff like that um, other than that, uh, like I said, Kyle mentioned a couple. I think definitely Murphy's going to play. Carr's definitely going to play. Um, he's a guy. He wants to play wide receiver. I think you'll see Purdue use him as summit, which would be unusual. I think you might see him use somewhat in the slot uh, to work over the middle of the field. Uh, usually you think of that as being the home of the small, fast guys. Uh, but I think they can use Carr almost like a tight end from that from that position, you know, the quarterback spots wide open. So I, Michael Elmo will probably get every shot to, uh, win the job. I don't, you know, I don't see you'll have at least a four way battle, uh, now, but I don't think, uh, any of those quarterbacks are so talented that he can't, if he comes in and, uh, does his job, just, you know, those are the big names right now. The one guy left is uh, the one true for, or unsigned guy that we're really fighting, trying to sign Oxendine out of Kentucky. I think it's still an uphill fight. He is a big uh, nose guard uh, type player, which we desperately need. Uh, and if we were to somehow finish that off and actually get him to come to Purdue, uh, he could potentially contribute immediately as well. You know, I forgot. I'm all fast guy. Uh, any potential he could come in as a uh, kick or punt returner because kick it, kickoffs and punt returns were, we were god awful at those this year, even when Rondell was playing. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I mean that to me is one area where if you just have some blinding speed, you put a guy in there and you'd be like, all right, you may not play a lot on offense or anything, but your job is to just run away from other dudes on kickoffs. I think that could be a significant addition because we averaged less than 16 yards per kick return this year, which is uh, not good. <laughs> well, the, so he has, he went, uh, more went to the, the opening regional. Uh, and so he ran a, a laser verified four, three, five, uh, there, uh, 40, uh, which, uh, was one of the, one of the fastest in the nation. He's a track kid too. So I could definitely see him. He ran a four, two, seven shuttle, which is also crazy fast, but he's just small. Like at, at the opening, he, he was five, six and a half, 149 pounds. Uh, so, um, I, I think he could definitely be somebody that comes in if he, if he can. Uh, definitely on kick returns, those are a little easier. Punt returns is always can you feel the punt? Definitely on kick returns, I think you'll see him quickly uh, see the field. Okay. I think part of more being recruited was for kick return, punt return stuff. And two guys I forgot on defense that I like is the Greg Hudgens guy. He's a four-star defensive end. 
um, that, that's that's big time. He might be a guy could be in rotation early on. And then I also like an under like radar guy. Um, really like the Sanusi Kane kid. I think he's from New Jersey. Most of his offers were from like Ivy League schools and things like that. And then he had some smaller offers too. But he's a really really smart football player, and he's like I want to say he's like six feet, like 195 pounds defensive back. And he might not be like a rotation guy, but I think he could play a lot of special teams, just like the Marcellus Moore kid could. Probably to kind of cut this down on our length tonight, uh, what are you guys thinking in terms of record next year? Does Purdue return to a bowl game? Do we reach seven or eight wins for the first time under Brom? Or is it another long season where we struggle to even get to six? I think it's going to depend on what kind of coaching changes we see this offseason. Uh, from the opposing teams, like you said, like the Memphis head coach, if he gets if he gets scooped up by a P five school, then that could help alter a few things. I'm I haven't looked too look hard at the schedule. I'm I'm just gonna say on a whim six and six. I haven't seen that's just my assumption at this point. Might as well make it fifty fifty. Uh, here I'll read I'll read off the schedule for you. At Nebraska, home for right. Memphis, home for Air Force, at Boston College, home for Rutgers. Woo! Uh, at Illinois, at Michigan, uh, home for Northwestern, at Minnesota, home for Wisconsin, home for Iowa, at Indiana. Uh, none of those is the uh, none of those is like the woohoo easy game because well, Jeff Brom has lost to Rutgers. Um, that is obviously <laughs> the one that we should win. But again, Jeff Brom has lost to Rutgers. I mean, I I will chalk that up to uh, just always losing to new Big Ten schools. I think Michigan State is the only new Big Ten school that we ever beat in the first conference matchup with them. Like, even when IU joined the Big Ten, even though Purdue had played them a few times, their first game as conference foes, Purdue lost that game as well. I remember looking into that. So, hopefully... Now that's out of the system, we can beat Rutgers. So somebody was like, "Oh, we could be six and zero going into Michigan." I'm like, oh, "Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit." Um, if we learned anything this year, it's you don't count any victory because we should have beaten Illinois, and well, look what happened. So yeah, well, we also just hit Illinois at the worst possible time. Yeah, as well, like they were on fire, and we were still struggling with. Uh, plumber at that point so you know flip the scripts flip flip when we play them could have been a different story um but yeah anyway so i think realistically we could start two and two you know maybe perhaps we steal both games at home and then but lose at nebraska and at boston college or flip a few of those around but i think realistically we can start two and two and then go from there uh you know i i think just looking at it and you saying i just pulled it up on my phone um, I, I see, you know, we could start two and two, or we could start three and one, or we could start four and zero, oh, or we could start one and three. You know, I think Boston College might be the closest thing to a gimme win, but like you said, there's nothing ever guaranteed. Um, it appears with this with this team. So I'm going to say seven and five. I think we start off two and two, and we win five. Uh, or I guess two and two, and then we win four more of our uh, remaining Big Ten games later later in the season. You know, Illinois, IU. We always play Iowa tough. It appears um, Northwestern. Northwestern doesn't seem like they're a quick fix. Um, so I, I say seven and five, and mostly because, and like you said, somebody says we're going to be six and zero going into Michigan. Like you said earlier in the podcast, 65 players are going to be sophomores, redshirt sophomores, redshirt freshmen, or true freshmen. 
we're starting to build that depth, but it's still really, really young. So, um, seven and five, get back to a bowl game. I think we can consider that a successful season, I guess. Yeah. You know, I've really got 2021 circled for the big jump in this Purdue program. Uh, just because those first couple of recruiting classes did never really took off uh, depth wise. Uh, and so I think, again, I'll probably say we win six and are playing for seven wins uh, in a bowl game. Hopefully not against like Auburn or <laughs> somebody good. Uh, but I, I really think that next year is going to be a year where we really start building some more depth and you're going to see some more players. But I think some of the problems we had this year are still going to uh, remain problems for another year. I I am with you guys. I think six to seven wins uh, would be significant. I uh, think that would be a big step back forward. And I also am kind of looking towards 2021 as that bigger uh, breakout year because that the schedule lines up a little bit easier and everything else. I am going to make one bold prediction, however. We will finally beat Wisconsin and break that streak. <laughs> I, I I don't know why I'm saying it now. You can you know, put me on old tape. Jonathan Taylor is gone. Yes, Jonathan Taylor will be successfully off in the NFL. I will drive him to the Combine if I need to. <laughs> you can host him. I mean, the Combine is just down the street from you. But- we got a futon. I mean, well, when like, is the last time Wisconsin had a bad running back, though? They just, like, like when is the last time you were like, oh, I'm not worried about... We went from, like, Melvin Gordon, Ball... Uh, and and like, was by far the best of all of them, because this is a guy that is going to finish in the top five all-time in FBS rushing and do it in three years. He just his numbers are Gordon and he did something similar too. Wisconsin always has a good running back, and uh, because good running backs want to play for Wisconsin, if you want the ball, you go and uh, and you you know play for Wisconsin. Uh, I will say this: I think we will either upset Michigan or Wisconsin next year. I like it. I like it, and I I think it's going to be Wisconsin because Brom has played Wisconsin. Better than any previous coach. You had the eight-point loss in year one. You had the triple overtime loss last year. Uh, This year, even with AOC back there, gave him a bit of a game. And, well, we actually had a lead in Madison for the first time, and I think it was 15 years. (laughs) If we had a defense with a pulse, that could have been maybe a two-score game. (laughs) Right. Um, But but we had a shot with him, and that was – that was what was so insane is that we actually led in Madison and we've been competitive. So I'm going to call it the streak ends. They have the longest win streak of any opponent ever over us. It is currently active. We ended at home next year on November 14th. Write it down. Put it in sharp. <laughs> anyway, on that note, because oh, now that's, that's, Travis is going off the deep end. I'm taking oh, over the no. podcast. <laughs> I'm the one that said it's, it's ridiculous to start six and oh, all right. <laughs> That's true. Travis is the voice of reason. Well, what we need to do is you have Travis say, I'm going to make a, a bold prediction, and then you just cut that part and, and maybe <laughs> just fade back in. <laughs> there, have a Sopranos ending. So on that note, uh, for Kyle, for Juan, 
for Drew and myself. I uh, appreciate you guys for listening. I believe we made it to four podcasts during football season, so one for each win. Congratulations, everybody. I'm glad that we could be there for you. <laughs> um, hopefully, we will have some more updates here during basketball season because I was told there would be no basketball talk tonight. And uh, we do have another Let's Get Weird podcast scheduled for Tuesday night with myself and Paul Banks as we will be getting weird. Oh, yeah. And uh, so once again, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you getting through the season. And while yesterday was a day of two losses by six total points and three overtimes, as always, it will get better. Let's be patient. One day it will all come through, and when it does, it will be ever sweet. So thank you for listening. This is Travis Miller of HammerandRails.com saying boiler up. <laughs> <laughs>